Tennessee and North Carolina both won top 10 matchups on Saturday, but guess what? Here's the thing. They didn't have to ride Dalton Connect and R.J. Davis to get there. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily college hoop show out there. We're your host. That's my guy, Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade, and we are elated to be with you on this Monday, coming off of an absolutely ridiculous weekend of college basketball. I'm going to just go ahead and tell you now, we'll hit on as much as we can, but there is no way on God's green earth we will hit all of it. We'll try to get to some more Tuesday as well as there's a little bit of a slow Monday slate tonight. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. I want to say a big welcome to all you everydayers out there. It's great to see you. For those of you who are everydayers or just joining us for the first time, I want to let you know there's a Locked On College Basketball Discord community. It's great. It's awesome. It's free, and the link is in the show notes. Come hang out and talk college basketball with us all the time. Andy, we got to give a shout-out before we dive into talking about these top 10 matchups because Caitlin Clark is 66 points shy of becoming the all-time leading scorer, or I guess tying Kelsey Plum to be the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball history. Andy, that is just stupid. She had another insane performance on Saturday, 38 points, 12 assists, and six rebounds. I mean, there was one I saw her take from like just inside. I mean, I, it's so deep, so silly. It's so unfair. Unbelievable range. Dude, it's it's crazy. Anyway, Andy, let's get into talking about the dude, shall we? Yes. Um, I alluded to it in the cold open. We have these four top 10 matchups. We're going to talk about all of them, but I want to start particularly with Tennessee's win over Kentucky in Lexington at Rupp Arena and North Carolina's rivalry win over Duke at the Dean E. Smith Center. And here's why. We've talked about both of these teams and probably more so Tennessee in this specific regard, but hey, what happens to the Vols when Dalton Connect doesn't go berserk? What happens to North Carolina when RJ Davis isn't like going crazy? Like last week when they lost to Georgia Tech, he was the only Tar Heel to score in double figures. Well, Andy, we found out on Saturday because Dalton Connect and RJ Davis were their team's respective third leading scorer. Andy, third leading scorer and very similar lines to boot. Connect 16 points on 504 shooting. One of five from three, five of five from the free throw line. RJ Davis, one more point, 17. The exact same field goal number, five of 14, two of three from deep, and five of six from the free throw line. Andy? And, and of course, 16 and 17 points is an off night. That's the kind of year these dudes are having. Um, <laughs> what does it say about Tennessee, and what does it say about North Carolina, that they can win top 10 elite-level basketball games without their, you know, all-American candidate players having the game of their lives. I think we've had this conversation more about Tennessee, and I think for good right. reason, because I think Tennessee's supporting cast has been more in question than the supporting Offensively, cast. specifically. Let's yes, offensively, than the cast for Carolina. And we've had some questions about Carolina. Cormac Ryan hasn't been the guy exactly that they wanted him to be, uh, but Harrison Ingram has been fantastic. 
Armando Baycott is Armando Baycott. Both those guys had monster games against Duke. I mean, we, we knew those guys were good. We knew those guys were going to need to have big games in order for Carolina to beat Duke. And they delivered more than I think you could have even possibly asked for. But we knew that Carolina had those pieces. We knew that Baycott is, you know, one of the most prolific scorers in Carolina history. We knew that Ingram could bring this kind of heat offensively. We hadn't really seen it with the rest of Tennessee's team. And that's not to say historically, Santiago Vescovi and Zakai Ziegler are obviously talented players, but up to the point, this point in this season, they haven't really been big offensive pieces. And we wanted to see what that might look like on a game where Connect is, is off or where he's not playing for whatever reason. Having said all of that, Tennessee was playing a significantly worse defensive team. Kentucky, uh, right. this game says a lot to me about Kentucky. Kentucky is not a good defensive team. They're outside the top 100 in Ken Palm right now in adjusted defensive efficiency. That's not to say that Tennessee's, you know, Ziegler having a great game and these guys stepping up and contributing offensively is meaningless or that it's not significant for Tennessee. I think it's extremely uh, consistent, or I think it's extremely important for them to be, show that they can score 100 points. That guys, they don't need Dalton Connect to score dang near 40 every game <laughs> in important games. But it, to me, it said a lot about wow, this Tennessee team is, or excuse me, this Kentucky team is really just out of sorts on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's wild, Andy. Like, they had, ten, what's funny is Kentucky had made some defensive jumps at Ken Palm. And I was like, okay, maybe they're going to climb. I think they got up to like 75th or something like that. But then you're right back down outside the top 100 after the loss. And even after everything was said and done Saturday night, they were still sitting there outside the top 100. Uh, but it, I mean, it is. Big, big showing for Zakai Ziegler, 26 points, very efficient, 8 of 11 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, 13 assists, 3 steals, and 2 boards. I mean, that like that combination of mm -hmm. he and, and Connect being able to do what he does, plus Josiah Jordan-James pours in 26 of his own. Andy, all five starters for Tennessee had double digits. But yeah, I mean... I, like, what, what's going to happen when you come up against just... Uh, an even halfway decent defensive team. I guess that's the question we got to yeah. ask. By the way, before before we leave and go to Duke and Carolina, Rob Dillingham, my man, yeah. is stupid. And I don't, I do not like. Maybe it's just better for Kentucky for him to come off the bench and do what he does. Why isn't he starting for this team? It's almost yeah. like when Devin Booker played behind the Harrisons, you know, mm -hmm. the Harrison twins. Dillingham career high thirty five. 14 of 20 from the field, six of eight from three, a rebound, four assists, three steals, four blocks, zero turnovers. Andy, what are we doing yeah. here? Ridiculous stuff. I, I mean, NBA All-Star written all over this young mm -hmm. man. Yeah, he's he's a complete stud. He's playing absolutely incredible basketball right now for Kentucky. But uh, and to do that against Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee is an incredibly good defensive team, and I that's think, almost more impressive than yeah, what Tennessee I think. That's I, I don't. This game didn't make me feel like oh, Tennessee's defense. Like Kentucky is an incredibly good offensive team, and they showed it in this game. They went out and scored a whole bunch of points. And yeah, I'm sure Tennessee doesn't want to be giving up 90 even to these really good offensive teams, but. They're yeah, also, I mean, they're still second in adjusted defensive efficiency. Right, and they're not going to score 100 against everybody. They certainly proved they can do it, though, against a team like Kentucky. And I do think that that if Tennessee can get this level of, of offense from guys like Josiah Jordan-James, from guys like Sakai Ziegler, they don't need to score 25 every night, but if they can be more efficient than they've been, if they can be less deferential to Dalton Connect and can kind of create mm. their own offense and do more than just kind of – you know, pass the ball around and wait for connect to make something to happen. If they can spread the love a little bit more, 
this Tennessee team is, is I don't want to say unbeatable, but they're really, really great chance of being in the final four and, and maybe even farther. They just have to prove that they can do it, like you said, against teams that are better defensively than Kentucky. All right. Well, Andy, Kentucky has now dropped three of four. They're going to need to right the ship pretty quickly. And thankfully, they have Vanderbilt this week, but then they play Gonzaga this coming Saturday. So mm-hmm. that will be very interesting. Tennessee wins 103 to 92. Let's get back to that ACC game. North Carolina wins the initial Duke Carolina battle of the season 93 to 84. And, and you said a little bit ago, but the story of this game was Carolina's front court. Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram going batty. They both record 20-point, 10-rebound double-doubles. The first pair of Carolina teammates to do so since 1998 when it was two guys named Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter. Andy, to put yourselves in a boat with those two dudes Mm -hmm. is something different. What a performance from the front court. I cannot get over how great of a fit Harrison Ingram has been in Chapel Hill. Like so we talk, we we so just weird. talked about Connect, and obviously Connect is going to be at the top of any lists of like you know these impactful transfers, and obviously Hunter Dickinson will be up there too, and for good reason he should be. But Connect's fit at Tennessee is fantastic, but so is Harrison Ingram's. This is exactly what they needed. A a kind of stretch for a good outside shooter, a tenacious rebounder. Like he's really been unlocked as more of a a valuable role player than he was at Stanford where they expected him to be more ball dominant and, and fill a role that just didn't really fit Ingram's skill set. And shout out to Hubert Davis or whoever it was on his staff who identified Ingram as a guy who could come in and fill this role at North Carolina, because they're here in huge part because of RJ Davis. They're here in huge part because Armando Baycott came back, but they are also here in this position as a top five team with a win over Duke because of Harrison Ingram. And it has been a really fun story in Chapel Hill. That's a good word. One of the things I've said a lot this year is that Harrison Ingram becomes the man when he doesn't have to be the man. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's done. His five three-pointers tied the number that Duke hit. Another critical piece of this game Speaking of that, was Carolina holding down Duke, who came in 15th in the nation in three-point percentage. They only shot 26, I think, percent from the three-point line. Tyrese Proctor, who's been going off. Interestingly, Carolina put Cormac Ryan on him instead of either RJ Davis or Elliot Cadeau. Tyrese Proctor, who had shot uh, 15 of 31 from three in his last five games, didn't even attempt a three and was held to just two points. Really important defensive stand there. Great job by Cormac Ryan. Well, Isaac, Kansas jumped out to a big lead and held off the Houston Cougars for a mammoth home win in what was a wacky, wacky weekend of hoops in the Big 12. We're going to get to that after a word from today's sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster, and they do it for free. And LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire and gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all of that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make this process even easier. They just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even quicker and more efficient. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. And if you want to join them, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. 
terms and conditions apply. All right, Isaac, let's move over to the Big 12 where we could have easily filled an entire 30-minute show talking just about the Big 12. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who wouldn't have loved that, but it is hard to avoid Big 12 basketball. So many incredible results. We'll get to the wackiness that was Iowa State at Baylor. That was a completely insane game of basketball. Scott Drew getting ejected was like the fifth craziest thing that happened in that game. I was all in on that, man. It was great. That was, that was a fun one, but I do want to start – with the third of the four top 10 matchups we're going to discuss today, we're going to start with Houston going on the road to Lawrence, Kansas to take on the Jayhawks. And FanDuel favored Houston. It was the, the, the line was always in favor of Houston. And look, I get it. Houston is the better team metrically. They have a better record in the Big 12. They're playing exceptionally right now. But it is hard for me to imagine ever not picking the Jayhawks when they're playing at home. And they showed exactly why. 13-point victory. The game didn't really even feel that close. No, to be honest, Kansas no. jumped out to a big lead. They were up 30-15 to 15 at one point. Really just shot the absolute crap out of the basketball early in this game. Oh, that must have smelled bad. Andy. Teams do not do that against Houston. This is... No. 78 points is the most points Houston has given up all year. 43 points in the first half is the most points Houston has given up in a half all year. Hunter Dickinson, monster performance from him, 20 points and eight boards. He also had four assists. And then Johnny Furphy, we've been doing this kind of shooting guard watch for Kansas throughout the year as they replaced Elmarco Jackson in the starting lineup. And Furphy has been just a revelation Dude. for this team. 17 points on six of seven shooting. Monster game for him. Kansas desperately needed it, especially because coming off the the bench they still didn't get anything from El Marco Jackson and Nick Timberlake those two guys combined for two points on one of three shooting but they didn't need it on what was a really really strong all-around performance particularly from the starting lineup for Bill Self's team against Houston and Andy it it's wild but Kansas had lost two straight Saturday games and so yeah. you look at this and they're not favored at all which by the way this is like Free. This is like FanDuel saying, here, come take our money. It's like, I'm going to do the FanDuel read here in a minute. And Kansas City is not favored in the Super Bowl. You're you're telling me I get Pat Mahomes as an underdog? Sure. <laughs> Hand me some more money, FanDuel. Like, that, that's just bonkers to me. Bill Self laughs at that kind of thing. But, Andy, <laughs> um, very seriously, like, Kansas had lost two Saturdays in a row. They were underdogs at home. But, man. I, I think they had heard the noise. Everyone's talking about how good Houston is. And look, they are. Somebody had texted me earlier on Sunday and said, man, that was my first chance to watch Houston all year. I, I don't think they're as good as we think. No, come on, man. This is just, <laughs> this is Fog Allen magic at work in its best form, Andy. And, and that just is what it is. Johnny Furphy, you mentioned him. Andy, let me give you his points in the last six games. 15, 13, 23, 15, 11, 17. Oh, not to mention that this 6'9 guard in those same games, here's his rebounds, 7, 7, 11, 6, 6, and 8. You add all that kind of stuff, I mean, he's shooting threes in those, in those games. He's made exactly three threes in all but one of them, Andy. Like, you add that to that foursome that you feel so good about with Harris and Dickinson and McCuller and Adams, and it's like, Keep in mind, Bill Self, one of the least bench users in the country. Mm -hmm. And now that he's got this five and he's riding it, I mean, my word. And knowing that if you need to spell these guys, you can get some El Marco Jackson in. Like, this is what the best teams historically are. 
teams that can bring in somebody that eventually projects to be a lottery pick like an El Marco Jackson off the bench, dude, Bill Self is sitting pretty now. Yep. Yeah. And I think shout out to, to I think Houston fought back pretty valiantly. They brought the game back within a decent score in the second half. That to me is an indication. Like you said, this is not an underrated team necessarily. Uh, this is, or this is not an overrated team. This is a very good team still. Uh, this was a tough game for them. There's no shame in losing in, in Dude, Lawrence, Kansas. Prior. Especially when you fight, yeah, when you fight back the way that they did. I I really like this performance from Houston uh, in the second half in particular, but Kansas was just too much for them. All right, Andy, can we please talk about Waco, Texas, where Mm -hmm. Baylor escapes with a 70-68 to victory over TJ Otzelberger's Iowa State Cyclones. Andy, if this isn't the wackiest game of the year, I don't know what was. (laughs) Let me just give you the bullet points of this game, folks, in case you missed it, and then we'll see if there's anything else or if we want to go to Fort Worth. So uh, Baylor leads by 12 at halftime. Iowa State fights all the way back to go up by seven points with eight to go. Somewhere in there, they went on like a 16 to nothing run. Scott Drew gets tossed in the middle of it all. Baylor fights back, takes a four-point lead. Like 10 seconds to go, Taman Lipsy ties it up. And then immediately, uh, Jaden Nunn comes down the other side, somehow gets fouled and somehow gets the ball to just creep up over the rim and fall two seconds left. Baylor goes up. It's like, ah, oh, that's one of those where it's like ball game, you know, it's yeah. done. It's over. He misses the free throw. And so that that's honestly probably worse for Iowa state. Cause now their the clock's going to be going. They got to do it. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. The clock operator started the clock too soon. So Iowa state gets to take the ball out side. They're in the backcourt, but still, it's on the sideline, um, so it's not full court. It's about, what, two-thirds, three-quarters? Mm-hmm. They get a, a – Otzelberger draws up a great play, Andy. I love this play design. Mm-hmm. Montilovich, this stud freshman, I love watching him. Yeah, he's fantastic. Gets a phenomenal look. Banks it in. Ball game. Iowa State's going back to Ames with a massive victory in Waco. Only problem. Didn't get out of his hand in time. And I mean, so close. just ever. So, they even went back and looked like, did the mm-hmm. clock start right this time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but Andy, what what a wild game. This is big, big, big for Baylor to have. What, like, we're just talking about the wackiness of it. Mm-hmm. Just the fact of getting this basketball game to get this win for Scott Drew's club with him in the locker room is big because remember they had lost three in a row. They beat UCF, but now this is a second straight victory and that looks a lot different than losing four out of five. Yeah. I think it's one of those, it was such a blast of a game just in terms of what happened on the floor, but it's like, I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched and I thought we were going to get a fairly evenly matched looking game. And there was ups and downs and highs and lows and ejections and all sorts of wonkiness, but ultimately it ended up being a close game which is what we thought. And I think Baylor pulled off, you know, you need to win at home. Baylor secured a win at home. I think that's huge for them. I don't think this is a a, a super problematic result for Iowa State by any stretch. Uh, And I, you know, this is what Big 12 basketball is is like a lot of the time. These super close games. And we had a handful of other results that were very close as well. Cincinnati narrowly escaped with a win over Texas Tech. And and like, that's just what happens in this conference is is you get a lot of these insanely close battles. And and another one, I mean, TCU finally sneaks in the top 25. They're getting some love. They're, They're playing well. And then Texas comes to town and picks up a win, 77 to 66, basically, almost entirely because of Max Aismas. What an incredible performance from him down the stretch to to pick up a win for for the Longhorns over the Horned Frogs. Yeah, down the stretch. Andy, here's the numbers on it. Final 325 of the game. 
here's a, this tells you everything you need to know. Max A. Smith 13, TCU 2. That's plus 11. The final score, Texas won by 11. That's all you need to know. Way yep. to go, Max A. Smith. What an absolute dude. Andy, by the way, the Big 12 standings after all of this happened, Kansas and Houston tied at 6-3 and three atop. Baylor, Iowa State, and Texas Tech all tied right behind them at 5-3, and three, so a half game back with TCU at 5-4. and four. So, I mean, the, the, like any anybody's game in the Big 12 still, this it's just so fun. I absolutely love it. Oh, boy, Andy, we got to keep moving because we are going to segment three and we still have a fourth top 10 battle to talk about. I don't know how we've got there or how we haven't got there, but it's just true. That's this weekend. We've got Zach Eady, Purdue, Wisconsin, and a whole other rest of a six pack to talk about it. And we'll do it in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from, I guess we're actually into Super Bowl week now. That's awesome. From FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like Andy and me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing the best food, and placing some super prop bets. Uh, But right now, also, the 49ers are favored by two and a half. I've already told you. To me, that's like FanDuel giving you free money. So go take it from them, folks. That's what they want you to do. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but also things like which players will score a touchdown. How many points will be scored? Well, new customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. It's our weekly Monday six-pack and we're going to start it off with our fourth top 10 game of the weekend. Thank goodness this one was on Sunday because my heart could not take more on Saturday during the day. Number two, Purdue at number six, Wisconsin. Boilermakers win in Madison 75 to 69. Andy, we got to call ourselves out here because for the second straight week, we have jinxed a team on Thursday night. Last week, we recorded before Arizona lost to Oregon State. This week, we recorded before Wisconsin lost to Nebraska. So if you're a Thursday night game, this week, I already apologize. We pre-apologize. Yeah, we're just going <laughs> to go ahead and do that. But I say that to say Wisconsin, unfortunately, puts themselves in a terrible position by losing that massive lead against Nebraska on Thursday night because then you're welcoming Purdue in. And even though it's at home, it's still a very, very difficult game. And, uh, man, Purdue, it was it was good. Wisconsin fought valiantly down the stretch, but just too much Purdue too much big man Zach Eady. Stephen Crowell, as you would expect, is in some foul trouble on the bench mm-hmm. in this one. But Andy, Purdue now, uh, when the net refreshes on Monday morning, will have eight quad one victories. That's tied with UConn for the most in the nation. But here's the difference. Combined quad one and two, Purdue has 15 wins, two losses, while UConn is 11 and two. Going back to Saturday, the nightcap of a tremendous slate of games on ESPN was between Gonzaga and St. Mary's. In Spokane, St. Mary's picks up the win, 64-62, their first win at the McCarthy Athletic Center, center excuse me, since 2018. Uh, the Gales just out-executed Gonzaga down the stretch. There was some questionable officiating that happened, a missed out-of-bounds call, a confusing call that was at first called a 24 or a shot clock violation and then it was called a foul and it was not communicated to the coaches it was a lot of chaos student section got very riled up was throwing stuff on the court it was a really messy disastrous 
college basketball rivalry type ending between these two teams. But St. Mary's picks up a huge quad one victory on the road against Gonzaga. Meanwhile, the Zags fall to 0-5 in quad one games. They are in a desperate spot coming up with the game against Kentucky on Saturday. Need to go find a way to go to Lexington and pick up a W. Oof, Andy, back to the Big East. Maybe it's to the Big East for the first time. Have we been there on this show? No, we haven't. <laughs> first Butler. Time. We're going all the way back to Friday night because Butler went to number 13 Creighton and wins 99 to 98. Nandy, you said it when we were talking pre-show, but one of the things we've said is what happens when uh, Butler can't score and they lose? Well, this one, they lost and they still scored all the points. Mm-hmm. So that that is a concern, Andy, quite frankly, for Creighton and for me because they're one of my preseason Final Four picks. Uh, yeah. Butler, Andy, 54 points in the second half of this game. Jamil Telfort and DJ Davis both over 20 for Butler. Um, Butler doing a good job, maybe getting themselves into that bubble conversation a mm-hmm. little bit. Good stuff there. We'll have to keep an eye on it. Andy, one of the concerns for us preseason for uh, Creighton, we knew the foursome that they had, and we it's kind of like Kansas going back to that. But there's no Johnny Furphy walking through the door for Coach McDermott. So the big four for Creighton all have 20-plus. The problem, Mason Miller, the fifth starter, zero points and just four off the bench. This was the fear all along, so now we wait to see. Um, UConn, two-game lead over Marquette in the Big East. Creighton and Seton Hall tied at three games back. In the SEC, Auburn ends up getting up a victory over Ole Miss at Ole Miss. They were down at half. They were down 13 at half. And we were talking in the the Lockdown College Basketball Discord of like, hey, Auburn still hasn't passed any of these tests that they need to pass. Like they they don't win quad one games. They're struggling on the road. Like this, you know, we, we have this team as a top 10, top five team, and they weren't passing the tests. And then they go out and completely take care of business in the second half against the Rebels. It is their first quad one, quad one win of the year for Auburn. They're now one and three in quad one, five and one in quad two, 18 and four on the year. And in a game where if they hadn't been able to pull off this comeback, we'd have a lot more questions about this girls team, but they did. And now they're looking a lot prettier heading into another big week in the SEC. That's that time of the year where it seems like everyone has to come back at some point and get a big mm-hmm. win. Andy, let's now go back to the biggie since I've already <laughs> talked about it once. Number one, UConn goes to St. John's, wins 70, didn't go to St. John's, but they played St. John's and won <laughs> 77 to 64. Interestingly, they do this without Alex Caravan big time. St. John's was up one at the half. But UConn, man, they just UConned all over the place in the second half. Uh, the big storyline for me, Andy, is that Stefan Castle follows up his career high 20 from earlier in the week. Another career high 21 in this game. Back-to-back career highs. Back-to-back games is UConn's leading score. I said it after that game. I'll say it again in this one. If Steph Castle is going to keep doing this, UConn is elevating themselves to an even higher level. Um, Tristan Newton had Tristan Newton triple double-ish numbers, 16 points, seven boards, and seven rebounds, plus two two steals and a block. Great stuff there. For St. John's, Andy, speaking of bubbly, they got to get some stuff figured out. They've lost five of their last six. Going to the ACC, I guess going back, we can say that, going back to the ACC. We started <laughs> talking about the ACC. Virginia at Clemson, and Virginia picks up the win here, 66-65. to 65. And Isaac, the Cavs are now in second place. 
sole possession of second place in the ACC behind North Carolina. They got a jump on Duke because of Duke's loss to North Carolina. This is a huge spot for Virginia to be after some early season struggles, some struggles in ACC play. They got another opportunity to pick up a big win tonight as they are playing Big Monday against Miami. Uh, for Clemson, another I – mean, they had the opportunities. They were down at halftime. They crawled all the way back. P.J. Hall hits a three-pointer to give them a lead with five and a half minutes to go. It really felt like Clemson was exercising so many of these demons coming back in this game, taking a lead against Virginia. They've struggled in the ACC, and yet they just couldn't get it done down the line. They had an opportunity to win it at the very last, at the buzzer. They took a three-pointer instead of trying to attack the basket against Virginia, which is what they should have done. Didn't get a good look off, missed the shot ended up resulting in a W for Virginia. Virginia has now put themselves in a far more comfortable spot, uh, probably off the bubble, or at least should be in that at-large conversation. Clemson, meanwhile, we we talked early in the year when they had that tremendous non-conference run. We said, this is what Clemson does. And we didn't think they were going to do it this year. We thought this is the year. They have the veteran experience. Joe Girard's a great addition. Shefflin's yeah. been playing great. Yeah. PJ Hall looks looks still to like an ACC First team candidate uh, was a player of the year candidate early until RJ Davis has kind of run away with it. But we thought Clemson wasn't going to do this again. And yet here they are. They continue to struggle in the ACC. They've pushed themselves so far down the list that they are back in that bubble conversation, maybe not even on the right side of the bubble. And it's it's just been a, a multi-year trend now for the Tigers. And if it keeps happening, they're going to have to figure out what is causing this to be such a problem because uh, – their non-conference records the last couple of years have been great, but it hasn't mattered for them in terms of uh, turning out results in the big dance. Clemson four and six in the ACC. The problem now is they got to go to North Carolina on Tuesday where they've won once ever. Oof. That is going to be a rough one. Isaac, that's going to wrap it up for us today. We got a couple of fun games uh, on Big Monday. Not the best Big Monday slate of games. Again, Virginia-Miami was probably uh, expected to be a bit of a better game when this was initially scheduled. We also got Kansas and Kansas State. That should always be a fun one just because of that in-state rivalry. So we're going to talk about those games on Tuesday's show. We'll have some more conversations about this incredible weekend of games. Start looking at some of that bubble implications as well before we get to what should be another great weekend of games upcoming. Coming. Uh, thanks so much to those of you who have made the show your first listen or your first watch of the game. A reminder to join us on our Discord channel. It is free to join and there is a link in the show notes. Apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats. And until Tuesday when we're recapping those big Monday games, peace out.